Hey everyone, it's episode 315. Call it green beans, if you will. Ken called it the cost part one. Which, I mean, green beans, the cost, you know. Uh, but green beans, this is kind of like... You don't uh, like green beans? Ah, uh, not really. Not okay. really. Uh, Brussels sprouts, I, I I hate them equal. I love brown, so, Brussels sprouts. Really? Oh, you and my, my dad would get along good. He eats them on purpose. I'm roast like, them up with a little bit of garlic, a little bit of mm, I know. Heather does salt. that too. I just, Wait, mm. am I in the right podcast? Like, I, I, I'm not prepared for green beans. What is green beans? We, Icky food. Like, why would you ever put it in your mouth? The, he doesn't like the cost. And so, oh, okay. yeah, it's like right. it's the green beans. <laughs> so it. it's kind of like when you're a kid. You can see the bowl of ice cream sitting there waiting for you, melting into nothing. Yeah. And the faster you eat your green beans, the faster you get the ice cream. I kind of felt like that's what Ken was doing with us this week. He's like, look, guys, there's something really cool here, but you're going to have to eat your green beans or your Brussels sprouts first. And I, I knew we were in trouble because Ken started really, really, really early with everything has a cost. And I'm like, uh-oh. And, and, and then he said, there's a price tag. And I'm like, oh, boy. And Jesus never veers away from being honest on the cost of like, following him. Enter the velvet sledgehammer. <laughs> Ka-ching. <laughs> Ka-ching. And I was like, man, we are the cost. You see, you kind of knew going in that there would be, right? There might be some uncomfortableness. There might be some uh-huh. things that you didn't go, oh, yay. You know, and maybe we should be saying, oh, yay. I'm, this is just me talking here, green beans. So, you know, if the, oh, yay, you know, maybe this was people that are, into high cost things, high cost living. Maybe this was for you. I, I'm not really sure. But hearing Jesus being so out front about what it means and the cost and the struggle and kind of like this is already the hardest part that we have to do, right? We can all agree on certain, you know, what might be good for us, that Jesus loves us, that he died for us, we can like salvation. But then when it's actually following it's almost a little bit of a verbal assault to your senses because now I have to follow and being that it's probably in, well, it almost seems insensitive at best or maybe even downright mean. And you're not used to hearing that from Jesus. This is supposed to be old Testament God that tells us things like this. It's not supposed to be new Testament Jesus. That's telling people like, Whoa, 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 don't sign up to follow me till you're really sure you're in for the struggle and the pain and the heartache. Jesus said a lot of hard things. So I don't know. I think if, I think if we have easy Jesus, then we're, we're only reading some of the texts. What do you mean? We're picking and choosing to our liking. Maybe. Who who would do such a thing? (laughs) Who would do such a thing? Well, let's just say this, Randy. We're not going to let you do it. We're not going to let you do it. Why don't we start this out when we here at Whole Life Church and Melanie says, you know what? This is a good week. I think I'm going to invite my neighbor to church. And we're like, you know what I really hope Ken preaches on? The cost, part one. Are so, you speaking some? For, I, I I think you brought some friends with you to church this week, Randy. Are you, are you trying to go somewhere with this? This was personal. No, no, they loved the message. I mean, as did I overall. <laughs> but I, I that wonder. Sounds so qualified? Doesn't no, no, it? no, no, no. But but what if? But what? Like, why does Jesus start with this as his like opener? And how come we don't do that? I mean, wouldn't we be saving everybody a bunch of time if we're just like, hey, up front, this is going to stink a lot. But it's like eating your green beans and looking at that bowl of ice cream. It's really good. You just have to get through the understanding of this first, and then we go. I mean, I wouldn't. Are we kind of wasting people's times to make them think that we have 
Jesus died on the cross and it's a lovely story and, and there's salvation and there's all that. We start with that, but then we go, yeah, but hold on. You got to hate your, you know, you got to hate your, your, your wife and your kids. I have to be that much more important by than them. By comparison. Let's go right, comparison. by comparison. <laughs> and th- that's a lot though. That's hard. That's, it's almost maddening if you stop to think about like, what if you had to make a choice between Jesus and your spouse? I mean, maybe for some people that might be easier than others. I mean, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, but it wouldn't be for me. Yeah. That, that'd be, that would, and, or, or I think of my kids. I think of Ellie and Emily and I'm thinking this would be, even though I know it's the right thing and I know that Jesus has to be first, I get it. But that, that's just not warm and fuzzy to lead with. And, and honestly, I don't always know what decision I would make. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to make the right one more times than I'm not. I, honestly, I don't know that God is asking you to choose between Jesus and your kids. I think it's just a matter of who's first. And if you are choosing the principles of Jesus first, that's going to make you a better father to your kids. That's going to make you a father who can ask for forgiveness when you make mistakes. That's a father who's, who's going to be you know, more patient with, with your kids. I, I don't know necessarily that it's like, I mean, Stanley mentioned the <laughs> hanging off the cliff and here's Jesus and here's the kids. I don't know that that's, that's a, a typical experience. But for someone who has no walk to start with or only knows what they know from what they've seen, what they've heard, maybe from a friend, maybe they were, you know, went to church as little kids, uh, it seems daunting. And I'm, and it just seems like, you know, maybe maybe we're doing it backwards. Maybe we should start with this and people can just go, yeah, you know what? I, I don't know that that's really for me. Because, right, there's not, I mean, the 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 narrow path is, is has few and the other path has many. So does it matter which? Well, eventually, I, I think we should let Ken say something. But this is not a game show, Randy. It's not like, do you want Jesus or what's behind door number three? Or do you want your kids or do you want what's behind door number three? You know, this is, I mean, it's it's a process and it's a relationship. Ken? Ken. <laughs> He's, 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 he's looking at enjoying this. This is, this is some good stuff. No. Yeah. No. Well, you know, I don't know. I, I think, um, I think that, that God has a way of leading us in the amount of, um, hardship that we can handle as we can, as, as we go along. And, and, I think that we, you know, none of us, none of us enjoys hardship, but it's also hardship is often the things that make us grow and that, that bring um, spiritual muscles into our life, just the same way that uh, weight rooms have a way of bringing physical, thing, uh, you know, muscles into our life. No, nobody likes, going back to Puck's sermon two weeks ago, this is one of the reasons why people quit going to the gym so early because they don't count the cost. They they think about what they think about the outcome they want, but they don't think about what it's going to cost them time wise, uh, emotionally, physically to to go back to the gym and to actually put the time in, the effort in. There, they, it's and so they don't they don't really count the the cost, and oftentimes they count the cost the 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 price tag of gym membership, but they don't think about okay, well. It means I'm going to have to wake up an hour earlier than I've been waking up so I can get out of the house, or I'm going to have to stay up an hour later, I'm going to have to do this. And it also means that 
on days when I don't really feel like doing, I'm going to go ahead and force myself to go do this. And, and if you haven't thought about that, when that, when it, when, you know, 5 a.m. rolls around on the day after the Super Bowl, you're going to sleep in because you're like, you know, I, I'm not, I don't, I can, and then it becomes the day, the, the day after that. And I think, I think what Jesus wasn't trying to do is terrify people, but what I think he was trying to do is just saying, hey, guys, you've watched me heal people, you've watched me you know, open the eyes of the blind, you've watched me feed 5,000, you've watched me doing these things, but I, I don't want you to get caught, so caught up on that that you forget that there also is a price, that if you're following me, it means you can't follow other things. It means that... And, and and this really goes back. If you haven't watched this season of The Chosen, go watch it because this is what it's all about. I mean, that's what season three of The Chosen is all about. It's about the cost. It's um, I don't want to ruin things for you, but there's just there's a couple characters and that it just Rochelle and I were talking about this, and I don't think I'm ruining the show if you haven't watched it yet. But I, I'm, I'm walking carefully here. There's a couple of people in Jesus' life that have to figure out why it is that he's healing others, but he's not healing them. Yeah. And Rochelle and I were talking about it this after after watching this, and neither one of us had really ever stopped to think that outside of Peter's mother-in-law being healed, you don't hear any real stories of Jesus healing any of his other disciples or anything major in their lives. All these people are people that are kind of on the periphery, people who are in the crowd, people, but, and it really hit home for me in a special way because I think there have been a number of times as a pastor where I, you know, this is a second, third vocation for me. And I kind of went into it thinking, well, God kind of owes me one here. <laughs> I mean, I've taken a pay cut. I know I could make more doing something else. I could, you know, I had this, this. And so, you know, God's going to go ahead and make sure that my kids are taken care of. God's going to make sure that I have, you know, that the tires on my car don't wear out or, you know, as often. I don't get a, you know, I don't have to replace them because it gets a nail on the sidewall instead of the middle, you know. And and so when these started things started going wrong, I was like really upset with God. I was like, you know, I'm out here working my tail off for you, and and you're where are you at? Why aren't you? <laughs> I'm doing my part, and I'll do yours. Take care <laughs> of me. Take you know, watch out for me. Yep. And and God and I had to really have some conversations about it. Tim Keller's book, um, The Prodigal God, became one of my favorite books ever because it really helped me with that when I was going through that through some of that in my career and and so I think we have to count the cost. I think Jesus just wants us to understand that just because we're his disciple doesn't mean that things don't just go perfectly in our life and that that every time that he's not the magic genie that we get to bring out of the bottle to to resolve all the problems in our life that when you know that are going wrong that he said he'll never leave us or forsake us but that doesn't mean that 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 nothing bad happens. It just means he's there with you while it happens, which makes you even more angry because you're there. Do something. Mm. And and that, that can be a frustrating thing. I think that's a good point because, I I mean, I think about, and, and maybe I've been guilty of this at times too, but not only, you know, when you start to follow Jesus, not only do you feel like there shouldn't be a cost, 
but that maybe you should be exempt from all the other costs of being alive and living. And like, I, I think I think sometimes we make um, promises on God's behalf. God's going to take care of this. God's going to take care of that. You're not going to have to worry about this. You're not going to have to worry about that. And those are not checks that God has ever signed. You know, we we still have to be alive on this planet. And it doesn't mean, like you said, it doesn't mean that we're alone here. But it also doesn't mean that we get to check the exemption, you know, the exemption box. It doesn't mean we get to say, hey, no, 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 I'm with the band. You know, <laughs> I, I get I get back, backstage privileges here. But there's a cost to being alive. And I think when we look at the cost that that comes with Jesus. Randy, you were saying, I'm not going to look at a cost and cheer. Well, I can give you an example of when you might look at a cost and cheer. And that is if I say, hey, look at this fantastic 55-inch screen you know, monitor for your computer. I'll sell it to you for 10 bucks. Well, then you're going to be like, yes. You know, that's one example of you saying, wow, this cost is fantastic. There's already a cost to being alive. But when you accept a cost that comes with with being a follower of Jesus, then that cost also reconfigures your reality. And it creates a lens through which you evaluate all other costs. I really like yeah. that, Melanie. And I think that that's, that's part of counting the cost. We tend to look at it the way that we've been talking about, which is like, oh, it's a, it's a billion dollars. You know, it's, it's a huge cost. I think the other part that Jesus would, would love for us as we spiritually matured is to think, Wow, that's a good deal. Count the cost. That that's actually a pretty good deal. I mean, a little bit of suffering or a lot of suffering compared to friendship with God and eternity with God. That that's a pretty good deal. And the hard part is that in the moment it's not, it doesn't feel like a very good deal. It's like, you know, it's when you're in the, you know, when you've got some medical issue that, you know, that's causing you pain and you have to, you know, I had Achilles surgery and, you know, it was a good six months of rehab and not being able to put any weight on it for three months and, I don't know, six weeks, no weight. And then another six weeks after that of walking around in a boot and and then, (laughs) you know, and then it was, I, I can almost remember the exact moment when I realized I was running again for the first time without, feeling terrified that something bad was about to happen. Man, I didn't enjoy going through that, but man, I'm glad I had the surgery. It was a lot better than where I was at. It was worth it. Um, but it, when you're in the moment, when you're doing the physical therapy, you don't, I mean, it, there's a cost. There's a cost to getting better. Yeah. Um, well, I'll stop playing devil's advocate now. And, you know, you're, eat your, she doesn't need wait, one, Randy. Eat, eat your green beans, eat your Brussels sprouts, just be quiet. No, I'm just kidding. No, uh, well, you kind of have to when the kids are watching. But, and, and you know what? You know, but it's, it's easy to no. talk tough when, when things are not No, of course it is. Awful. But for anybody out there who is just going through it with God right now, that God has, you feel abandoned. Um, you feel like the cost is not worth it, and you hear us talking like this, and you just want to bang your head against a wall. I just want you to know we've been there. Uh, there's not a person in this room who who hasn't been there, and you are not wrong to feel angry, to feel hurt, to feel lonely, to feel abandoned. You're not wrong to feel those things, and God doesn't get mad at you for that for that those feelings that you're going mm-hmm. through all God's asking you to do is is to to hang on you know for me it's that Jacob hanging on to the feet 
of of who he was wrestling with, and I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And so I just want you to know, if you're going through it, I don't take, I don't say this stuff glibly and think that like this is some kind of easy. Oh, the cost is, you know, it's so worth it. It's so wonderful. If you're in the middle of the loss of people you care about, if you're in the middle of financial hardships, if you're in the middle of wondering how you're going to take care of your family, these are real things, and it's it's painful, especially when you're when you. You know, I, I know people who have given up jobs because they felt like God had called them to do that, and then God doesn't give them another job, and they they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's hard stuff, and I just you know I just want you to know if you're going through that, we're here to walk with you and to be with you in those in that in that moment. We're not just not just slinging this around as if it's some kind of easy oh just count the cost and move on or uh-huh. whatever it, it's it's hard stuff and it's real stuff and you're not wrong to feel hurt and i mean just read job read the way that job talks to god about and god doesn't reprimand him for it he he, he talks straight to job but but Job, Job's like, I wish I'd never been born. I wish that you know it would have been better for me had you, I'd never seen the light of day. Well, that's somebody going through something hard, and God, God reprimands his friends, but he doesn't reprimand Job. It's, I think it's important. Well, and, and and I think sometimes we we feel like we can have our feelings over here, but we better work them out and get yeah. in the right place in order to come, you know, come be in God's presence or right. come to church or whatever. And that is not the case for so many different people in the Bible who actually brought their complaints into the presence of God. It is so much easier to work through your anger, your frustration, your grief, all of that. It's so much easier to drag that stuff into the presence of God and say, look at this, you know. Yeah. Look at look at where I am, and God can handle what you have to say. And I guarantee you, if you read anything in the Psalms, it's not anything He hasn't heard before. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate both of the both of your comments because I think for someone who may have been in the church in the past, and you know, Holy Spirit is still there and still you know tapping on the shoulder and still speaking. The immediate thought is, I've already done all that, and it's it didn't seem any better. It didn't mm-hmm. seem any easier. And everyone talks about what a great life and in, in learning, becoming a friend with Jesus, and having some knowledge that you know, knowing that you're saved. I mean, that to me, that's a big deal. But it doesn't it doesn't pay the bills, right? It doesn't it doesn't pay right. the bills of I'm going through all this. Mm-hmm. But it does make it a little easier at times. So I think, obviously, starting off playing devil's advocate, it was a lot of how I felt 20 years ago. Like, this totally, this completely sucks. This isn't what I signed up for because I was told, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, all those different things. And yet, what the realization came to be was, as you continue to hold on, like Ken said, when things aren't going well, and when things happen that you just can't ever predict... And you're holding on, the relationship, however good or bad or small or big it is with Jesus, is what gets you through. And it is what's better than when you have nobody, literally, 
because I've been in both places and it's definitely it's definitely a better place and it wasn't and like you said I love it I you know those were checks he didn't say he was going <laughs> to yeah. sign and I, I I think that's important to know but also to know that it is better from from my experience it is so much better to know that there is somebody there that really does have your everything in mind he knows it all and that's a that's a comfort even when things and even when you're maybe not as spiritually mature as you'd like to be maybe even most important at that time well i think i would push it a step further you know there are times when we can't hold on and we have to trust that god is holding on to us yeah and i've been in places like that in my life where the darkness was so suffocating and the presence of God was so far away, I had to say, I cannot hold on to you. You're going to have to hold on to me. Yeah, have you been yeah. at, have, have you been at places like that? I've been in places where I just, I told God, I can't talk to you right now. I'm too mm-hmm. angry. Yep. I am too angry. And if you, <laughs> I, I want to have a relationship with you. I, in my, in my deepest of hearts, I think I want to have a relationship <laughs> with you, but I'm so angry at you right now. I don't, I don't know. But if you care... And you want to go ahead and and have a relationship with me? If you care, then you do what you want to do. I, I, I you know, I give you permission to do that. But I'm I'm so angry right now. I just I, opening the Bible, praying. That's just not even going to happen. That's just not going to happen because I'm that I'm that upset about what's happening. And I know that some of you are like, oh, wait, can a pastor have those feelings? Yeah, about every pastor I've ever <laughs> every known. Every single one. I'm like, um, does anyone not have those? Um, but. And, and I guess what I just want to say to you is it, if you're hurting that way, don't beat yourself up for hurting that way. Mm-hmm. Don't don't sit there. I serve a God that's big enough to handle all your hurt and anger at him. I, and, and, and it is far better to be authentic and honest mm-hmm. than to, to lie about it. Um, I sometimes think that it's, you know... It's trying to cram, cram the green beans down when when you're just when you when you just know you're going to be nauseous afterwards. It doesn't really do anything. You're going to it's going to come back up. And, and I guess that's my point. Is I think sometimes we try to force people to have an experience with God that they are in no way, shape, or form prepared or able to have. Mm-hmm. And 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 sometimes that's us trying to force ourselves to do something that is just. It's just not there. Well, that's what I appreciate about the podcast conversations is, it, it, I mean, there's no way you can do this every week in, in front of a, in front, you know, as a message. But I feel like what you hear sometimes and you go, man, that, that's more than I can handle. And it's hard in 25 minutes to also get to every last piece. And of course, this is a two-part series, so we're all hanging on. Uh, we're waiting th- for the ice cream, Ken. That's right. Well, there better be ice cream this week, mister. Uh, uh, but, but, what if I give you a penny? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know how much ice cream that buys these days, but I'm guessing not a whole lot. But anyway, I, I, but I appreciate the fact that you can, because I think we hear People want to be positive in church, right? When, sure. when someone is there, we're, we're wanting to provide some safety. We're wanting to provide some comfort. We're wanting to provide even some promises of God in the Bible that may or may not exactly be mm-hmm. <laughs> appropriate. But, you know, we, we try to, to uplift. And 
I think too many times somebody young in or immature in their faith, they just haven't had that same walk yet, will look at that and go, oh, things are going to get better. And then the expectation is that things get better. And then someone that walks with, with Jesus is a happy person. And, you know, then you can't have those conversations like, you know, right now, me and God, we're not on speaking terms. And, and that's okay, but it's not often communicated that it's okay and that it's okay to ask for help from God and from others. And I hope that, you know, we find ourselves in a place that feels safe enough that when it gets to the point, like you said, Melanie, where, look, I can't hold on anymore. This is, I, I, I don't know how to anymore. This is more than what I bargain for. I, I can't do it. Send me somebody. It's okay, you know, or. And you know what? I would not limit that to immature Christians. No, I had that no. Com- I, I had that conversation with God at a time in my life when I was serving in ministry where I had all of the answers. I could quote you the Bible backwards and forwards. And yet here I am at a point of crisis. And all of a sudden, the God that I had built for myself wasn't big enough to handle my reality. And I had to, that had to break. That had to break into pieces, and that was really painful. But that had to break in order to make room for the God who is and not just the God that I had constructed for myself to worship. Mm. Like, that's, that's good. That's true, because it doesn't have to be. Although I feel like God is awfully generous when we look at He's only going to give you as much as you can handle. And I'm like, I don't know what you think yeah, I am. No, that's, a, that's a misrepresentation. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not even what the verse right. says, yeah. But that's what we tell people. And you, and you immediately just go, I, I don't know what you think I can handle, but I can't. Yeah. yeah. God has a very large habit of allowing people to, to, to have more than they can handle. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of the point, you know. If, if you're talking about any uh, any kind of special forces, whether it's the Rangers or the Navy SEALs or Delta Force or anything, one of the things you know about their training is that they give their people more than they can handle. And that is part of the process. They give their people more than they can handle because they want their people to find their breaking point. And, and it's part of the process. And God routinely routinely has given me more than I can handle. And what it's meant is that I have to go ahead and go back and reevaluate what I thought I knew versus what is what is. And I've had to go ahead and also realize that there are there are things that I can't handle and I just have to turn them over to God. Mm-hmm. That Ken is not the savior of his own life. He's not the savior of anybody else's life. That's Jesus' role. And there's just there, God routinely puts more on our plate sometimes than we can handle, and or allows. I should say, God allows more on our plate than we can handle. And the good news is that He's there to be with us through it, and I believe He sees us through it. But it also comes down to a little bit of how we choose to go ahead and react to that. You know, you've got Judas and Peter who both deny Jesus in different, in, in slightly different ways, but they both deny him. Both, yeah. And both of them, and the two of them, have very different reactions to 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 that experience of letting Jesus down and doing the wrong thing. And so, I think for me, one of the things that 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 I just encourage anybody who's out there going through the cost right now, you know, firstly. You have a family that wants to be with you, and in this family, what I encourage is not for us to say, "Oh, buck up, Jesus has you." It's, it's o- all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. <laughs> um, and and 
and not to to throw you know well what did you you know you know even worse well what did you do what do you think you might have done to to bring this on yourself you know um i think probably the most effective thing out of all the the things that job's friends did was that that they sat with him in silence for a couple of days there's just sometimes where if you want to be a friend of somebody you just sit with them just just be there just listen you don't have to – I think that's one of the misconceptions with hurting people is that we have to give them answers. Mm-hmm. Most people know the answer pretty well, you know. Um, most people know. And sometimes there aren't good answers. And sometimes there aren't. Sometimes there's there are no good answers to it. And, and yeah. I think sometimes in our attempt to bring meaning to things, we, we contrive meaning. And, and the worst part is when, you know – when you go up to somebody, and, and I think we've all probably been guilty at one point or another in our life of doing this. So if something you've done, don't feel, you know, just don't do it anymore. Um, but, you know, we've gone up to somebody, it's like, well, you know, God probably was trying to teach you how to have more patience. <laughs> or, um, you know, Ooh. the particularly difficult ones are when people try to read into why why people that are important in our lives have passed away. And they're like, well, you know, God... Knew, uh, you know, one of my favorites is well, God, maybe God knew that if they live, that they're going to do something really bad, and so you oh. know that that's that's one that I've heard a couple times, and you know, if that were the case, you have to wonder about some of the villains of history, what what what, how they survived then. But the point is, let's just sit with people sometimes, and let's not tell them that it's wrong for them to be angry at God, and let's not tell them that they shouldn't. Let's not try to have the answers. Let's just go ahead and say, "Hey, I'm here with you." If you want to hear, you know, if you need, if you want to talk about, it, let's talk. I'm happy to talk with you about it, and I'm here to tell you that God has seen me through some hard times, and I'm I'm want to be here with you in your hard time. So, I think. I mean, I've been through some difficult times. I didn't. I didn't want to hear about anybody else's triumph story. Yeah, no. I just needed to sit with my tears and not have anybody come and try to wipe them away for me, you know, or not try to try to, you know, the best thing you can say to someone who is grieving is just, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry you're hurting. Period. Bring ice cream, maybe. <laughs> you maybe. Know, if that person is in the ice, ice cream, cream and cash. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. No, but seriously, I think you're right. I think the, we all have, um, we all have those things and whatever your journey is, there's a wrong answer that someone has given you at least once, maybe 2000 times and you just cringe. And then yet at the same time, you may find yourself in when somebody else and you feel like it's dead space and I must fill it with something. So let me open my mouth. And <laughs> I'm <laughs> sorry. It's not what comes out. <laughs> and you go, Oh yeah, right. Yeah. It, it, it's a difficult place to minister to somebody who's in that space, but Maybe just being quiet and a good hug and, you know, and just hang out or, hey, you want to go get a cup of coffee and we don't have to talk. We can just sit. Might be an answer, too. I appreciate the conversation that we've had because I think it just it it confirms and maybe just reminds us that at least I hope we all have someone here at Whole Life and in your or in your circle that you can talk to or that you can have that just quiet time with if something's going wrong and just remembering that it's okay to to talk back to God and, and let him know how you feel even though he knows but let him hear it and 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 it's okay and to do so and to find to me I find a little peace in that myself 
And I found it peaceful when I found out I wasn't the only one that yelled at God because I was pretty sure nobody else did it. And so when you find out that other people are like, oh, wow, Ken was angry with God or, you know, Melanie was angry with God at one point and went through, you know, something. And to me, that's a you almost then realize that you're just part of the family and you're just like everybody else. And I think that's there's a certain comfort, at least to me, in that. Well, and also I think it's, you know, if if you're new to whole life or if you're looking for a place to find someone to walk alongside you, we have people who are specifically trained. You're speaking our, of Stephen's ministers. Our, our Stephen ministries. Yeah. Yeah. Or pe- people who are trained to walk alongside you. So you don't have to do whatever it is that you're dealing with. You don't have to do it alone. Full confidentiality. And they are they are amazing. My wife was one. Uh, and for a while and, and was part of that process. And I just noticed in herself, in her own self, after going through the training, you become a better communicator mm-hmm. and you you learn how to let your feelings and your empathy show in ways you didn't know you could. And so I could only imagine the care receivers that she had, how well they were taken care of. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that that's something that we have here, it's something to take in. Um, I'll put actually the the, uh, the link to the webpage and the mm-hmm. contact information. Everything will be in today's show notes. So if that's you and um, you need some help, just someone to listen, someone to talk to, we'll put that there and would encourage you to give it a try. Mm-hmm. All right. We did have a few questions from this past week. Number one question at the top of the list is made by my, just, uh, I hadn't looked at this. Uh, I missed the top one. It was from T. Cinco. Tammy. (laughs) So, Tammy, this is our well wishes to you and hoping that uh, everything that you're feeling better and you're on the mend and now officially should be back home. And yeah, just for the record, Tammy went skiing and (laughs) had a mishap and ended up with a fracture. And so now she had surgery today on that. We um, we mentioned her in prayer this past <laughs> week, and she texted me and said, that was a little ominous. Could you maybe mention what happened? So, <laughs> so people are wondering. So, uh, yeah, that's why I decided to fill that in. But anyway, thank you. Yes. T-Cinco, let's, let's hear the amazing question because right. I know it's going to be good. The question is, the greatest cost Jesus and his followers paid was within the religious community. What happens when I put Jesus first and the way he calls me to follow is not within the more established rulers, in air quotes, of religion? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good question. Well, and, and I think that is the part, you know, we as pastors feel very comfortable telling people that Jesus has to come before wealth and he needs to come before career and um, get start feeling a little bit more antsy when we say before family. But man, when you get to organized religion, that's when we really go, oh, I don't know. I mean, but Jesus has to come first. Jesus has to come before organized religion. He needs to come first. And sometimes there isn't a conflict between organized religion and Jesus. And I think we have to acknowledge that Certainly the Seventh-day Adventist denomination should be very much in agreement with that. We are big fans of the Protestant Reformation. We're big (laughs) fans of the fact that Seventh-day Adventism came out of Protestantism itself. And I think that we should be big fans of the fact that uh, all, all humans are fallible, and that means that an organized denomination is fallible as well. Yeah, and we... 
we do what we do according to our conscience. I think that was one of the big things mm. in terms of Protestantism. Yeah. You know what? I, I get my paycheck from whole life through the Florida conference, but I work for God. So if I ever, and hopefully this will not happen, but if I ever have to make a decision between who I get my paycheck from and who I work for, it's going to be God. Yeah, has to be. Um, Lynn had a comment. She said, he gives us time to get it right. This is speaking about uh, things becoming a distraction from leading us away from Jesus. The cost is high, but I believe you know when those other things and, and or people become that distraction. And, but I like the fact that she said he gives us the time to get it right, that he's not going to just leave it go if we're not. And then she asked a question right after that. Is it humanly possible to follow him at all costs? I don't think so. I think it goes back to the main scripture that we used this week that said that where Jesus says it's, uh, you know, it's very difficult for a rich person to be in heaven, and the disciples says, "On oh, then, who's that? Then, <laughs> how is it possible for anybody to be there?" And, and the, he says, "Humans, humanly speaking, it's not. But with God, all things are possible." And so, um, I don't think, humanly speaking, there are. I think it takes. I think it takes God working in us and through us to be able to do some of the things that 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 come our way. Hmm. Yeah, it uh, it certainly feels like it's not possible. And I think that's a, we'll take that. We'll take the words of Jesus on that one. It's probably a best bet. <laughs> Deanna Carr said, what about the cost of not having Jesus first? Mm. You know, we're talking about costs and um, that's a, that's not a cost we can ignore either. If we decide that the other is the, is the option we're going to choose. I think that's good. That's a good one to keep in mind yeah, because I love it. either comes, way. It comes back to what Melanie said. Um, near the beginning of this is that you know if you are trying to buy a 55 inch smart tv and you found out it was 25 dollars, you'd think that was a good deal but that was that is still you counting the cost yeah and and so absolutely i think uh, deanna makes a wonderful point yeah there. i like that deanna there's mm. a cost either way you yeah. get to choose which cost yep you want to you want to pay i like it all right anonymous asked is there a right or wrong way to follow Yes, the right way to follow is to <laughs> be behind the person you are following. The wrong way to follow is to veer Come. off on your own track. Hmm. Okay, and we're going to find out more about that upcoming this week, right? Because by nature, when you veer away, you're not following anymore. Right, I was just yeah. going to say, if you are following... You do have to be. So as long as you're following, there is no... <laughs> but so so if we want to really jump down that rabbit hole, we can, but yeah, but... So, well, yeah. I think it's important to say that there are lots of different ways to follow and it doesn't look the same for, for, for everybody. It's going to look different for different people. I think we've emphasized that before. I think the other thing maybe to say is that, uh, you know, I think those of us who are in leadership positions always appreciate it when the people who are following are not complaining all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Sometimes sometimes we do that, right? Moses, so. Moses was a good man. That's all I'm going to oh, say. Um, Trif oh, not Trafina. This is from Zoe. Uh, I didn't see, the, didn't see the parentheses there. This is from Zoe. She wants to know, how do we feel forgiven more in order to love Jesus more? So I'm thinking as we may not be following, we might be in the veering stage. <laughs> oh, yeah, so I think uh, she's kind of responding to this to the, the point that I made where Jesus says, whoever's been forgiven much loves much. Those who have been forgiven little love yep. little. 
can I just recommend a book for you? Um, and that would be the book I mentioned earlier, which is uh, The Prodigal God by Tim Keller. Hmm. If you want that, I think that will answer your question. I know you'd like the the cliff notes on it, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, you, you should read that. Tim Keller? Tim Keller. All right. I'll put a link in today's show notes so that we have that uh, The Prodigal available. God. Prodigal God. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm going to have to pick up a copy for myself, I believe. Have you not read it yet? Uh, no, I have a Keller, but I think it's a different one. It was the, the way a shepherd looks at the 23rd Psalms. Is that a different Keller? I yeah, think it no, is. No, it's the same one. Is it? Yeah. Uh, that's one of my favorite books. Um, and then he has, I have the one that has like three parts. It's the 23rd Psalm and there's two more. I forget. I've read the whole book. It's really good. I like his well, writing maybe, style. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, uh. Could be different. Maybe well, it is different Keller. this is Tim. We're going to look for Tim Keller and the prodigal God, and hopefully we get the right one. No, it'll be the right one. Greg Creek, how are you doing? Hey, Greg. Congratulations Greg. on Kansas City, by the way. Yeah, and I was just going to say, you know, they're a heads a happy household right now with the Super Bowl victory. And Puck, too, I'm sure, was oh, celebrating. Yeah. I think I heard him once I actually or twice. have video of it. <laughs> do you? I do. Did actually. he send you a video? I do. I'll have to show it to you. Oh, that's awesome. I have not been given permission, so sorry, Pat. Podcast it will not or, be it in not, the, the link. It will not be show. in the show. No, no, sorry. <laughs> it is, uh, let me just tell you, it was worth watching. <laughs> <laughs> well, many of you will remember, some of you might remember Greg, who was our youth pastor here for quite a long time at uh, Florida Hospital Church and Whole Life Church before uh, him and his family moved back out towards that Kansas City homeland. And Craig asked, how do the Ten Commandments relate to Jesus' words in the New Testament about a greater command he's given us? Love God and love people. I think that's what the Ten Commandments boil down to anyway, are those two. So I, I think that's just a fantastic summation. And I think it is also maybe even a little more difficult because it's easier to follow rules than it is to have to use your brain and think through what love looks like, love mm. of God and love of people. Or the Ten Commitments, as Zed calls them. Mm-hmm. So that's a more accurate title would be the Ten Commitments, and it's easier to commit to someone than it is to take orders. Yep. So actually, I will. You know what? That's one of the one of my favorite episodes we've done on the podcast. I'll go ahead and throw that in the show notes as well. I think I have the episode number. You're going to need to put the show notes into chapters. I know. It's <laughs> chapters, and <laughs> chapters and verses. Chapters and verses. So there'll be a lot of things to look for today. Michael Paradise asked, some Christians say we should not call ourselves sinners because God has made us new creations. Do you think there is a time when we should not call ourselves sinners? That's a part of, um, within the Seventh-day Adventist denomination, there's a movement called Love Reality that talks a lot about that, that, that they don't believe we should talk of ourselves as sinners. I, I, I'm not sure where I've landed on that one. I do believe I've been redeemed. I do believe that I am made perfect in Christ's sight. At the same time, there's a part of me that, that kind of struggles at the idea of not acknowledging the fact that... Um, that I I fall woefully short of <laughs> where not only God would want me to be, but where I'd like to be in life. And so, I guess um, for me, I, I if you're asking my own personal opinion, for me, um, I'm at a point where I still feel like the the term sinner is not an inappropriate one. I feel like we often use it as this label to shame others. And then in that case, I think it's the wrong thing. But uh, I do think that 
I don't know. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I think it comes down to orientation. I mean, a few weeks ago, you talked about, do we focus on the sin or do we focus on Jesus? Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. we can look at ourselves and, and focus on ourselves as sinners, or we can focus on ourselves as Jesus followers. Yeah. And so I think I think in terms of orientation, is one term appropriate and one term is not appropriate? I don't, I don't think that's necessarily the question. I think the question is one of orientation. Are we going to claim an identity as a sinner? Or are we going to claim our identity as followers and then live in that identity? Knowing, well knowing that the other one still applies. Well said. Right? Well, for some of us, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will. Uh, I resemble that remark. Thank you. Um, and then uh, finally, from our good friend Jahimi, he said, "Love gets stronger in Christ, big time. If you believe it." Thanks for the great message today. Oh. So I feel like we're missing one question because Stanley teed up one for us. Did that he? was yeah. There was wasn't there. There was a question about. Um, that was in second service, wasn't it? Yeah, there was a question about about whether it's okay. Oh, wait a minute. I think to... you're right. Uh, let's just press pause here, and I will look online really quick. Hold on. We'll be right back. We'll be right back after these messages from nobody. <laughs> we are out of time, but there is a really great question. So, podcast. Podcast. The podcast is called This Is Whole Life. It's available What's everywhere. What's the question so people can okay. decide whether they want to listen to podcasts or not? So... This, I like this because this is kind of an unusual question for this topic. But uh, James asks, any advice for young people stressed finding love that coincides with God and a significant other? As in, marry a Christian girl or boy. Marry, you know, um, and any advice for that? Do, do I have to find someone that's a Christian? I think is what they're asking. So uh, I, I sh- love that question. I have a so. strong opinion on this. Woo. All right. And we'll talk about it during the podcast. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Tune in. That comes out Wednesday, right, Randy? All right. Check it out. This is Whole Life. Okay. Well, there it is. You heard the question from James. So, Ken, you said you had a strong, strong opinion. opinion on this. Strong opinion. What I you do. got? Basically, when it comes to marriage... The more things you have in common, the easier your marriage will be. And the, what I love to tell um, folks that I do premarital counseling with is that you can make any marriage work. I really believe that if both people are dedicated to it, and that that is the big asterisk on that, if both people are dedicated to the marriage, you can make any marriage work. With that said, there are marriages that are like canoeing upstream through rapids, and there are marriages that are like canoeing down a nice river on a nice sunny day. And the more that you have in common with the person that you're married, marrying, the easier your marriage will be. And the problem is that when you marry somebody who is not a believer, who doesn't share the same faith identity that you have, you are in for some uphill canoeing, um, upstream canoeing, I guess, probably not the hill. Um, <laughs> That's but, really difficult. Well, <laughs> because while while you're dating, things are great. You can figure out how, you know, we'll go, to, we'll go uh, you know, I'll go, I'll watch church online my, by myself. I'll go ahead and do this. I'll do that. But the problem becomes that when you finally get married and time goes by, and then you have children. Now suddenly, you're you're one. You have strong feelings about the way that your child needs to be reared because you have feelings on on what matters in life, and they have a completely different idea. And besides that, even if you don't have children, it becomes difficult after a while to have somebody who completely disagrees with your worldview, or even partially agrees with your worldview repeatedly, 
and it's hard to be in that right direction. And so for me, I just really encourage people to find people, to find somebody that shares the values that you have, that shares the worldview that you have. Nobody's going to be perfect. Nobody's going to have the same, exactly the same. But the more you can have in common, the more your marriage will flourish and you will enjoy life. And that's so that's my strong feeling on that. We've often spent a lot of time telling people, oh, don't don't marry outside of the church, don't do this. And 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 it becomes more of a just don't do it as opposed to the reason why. And again, it, to me, the reason why that we encourage you is it's about having things in common. You know, it's not like if you are you, you know, if you're Republican, you can't marry a Democrat, and that that's you know, you can that'll work, but it just becomes that you guys have different ideas around election times about what needs to be happening in the country. And the same thing can become true within a in a marriage when it comes to your Christian beliefs or or one person having Christian beliefs and one another person having a different set of beliefs. It's just the direction and trajectory that your life is headed in is and can be in a completely different direction and trajectory as another person and you get in each other's way. I think that's a good what answer. What do you think, Melanie? Yeah. Is that... I, I think you said it well. All right. Well, I just have to check up with my theologian occasionally <laughs> just to make sure. <laughs> just make sure. That's a, good, that's a good policy to have. May as well institute it early and often. Well, next week, don't miss out because it is the cost part two. So we'll see if we get ice cream or if we get some more green beans mixed in uh, there. At least some salt for the green beans. Right. Maybe. Salt and butter, please. <sighs> These guys ask for so much. I just, <laughs> no. I, you know, I, I just don't know. We're here for the people, Ken. Yeah. And we just, you know, we know. I'm that, excited about this next week. And, yeah. and, and it's not really because I, I don't know that. Would you settle, you know, if it's not green beans, would you settle for a casserole? <laughs> well, now, if you're hiding, if you're trying to hide the green beans, just remember the ratio. The uh, green, green, beans, green bean casserole. There we go. Yeah, green beans need to be small and they need to be in short supply. Okay. So, yeah, no green. I'll, I'll eat green bean casserole. I'm looking forward to next week because we're really going to take a look at what happens when you make the wrong decision. Yeah, and Ken did say he's giving away money. So I am giving away money. I guess, I'll be there. Yeah, no, me I don't want to. Sure. I want to be clear. It may not be large sums of money, but I am giving away some is, money. I mean, is the front row uh, an advantage? Like, come early kind of thing? I mean, are we throwing money? Are we like money gun? Are we? You know what? I have, I, what are we doing? I have said what I will say. <laughs> be there or don't be there. Your choice. <laughs> well, Sparkle only sits in the front two rows, so that's. I mean, I know where I have to be. There so we go. I, just, I don't have a choice. So the first sentence in the message outline says what happens when the cost is too much so we're really hoping that we find that out and more oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah he sounds pretty confident mm -hmm. money t-shirt cannons and when the cost is too much next week at whole life church except for no t-shirt cannons oh sorry right. did i make that one up <laughs> yes. that was all me <laughs> I like I, I, I like your vision though, Randy. I, I think <laughs> you were thinking about the week after when. We, oh, yeah, we're yeah maybe that's true. Are we going to have t-shirt cannons? Uh, we should. I don't know. For an, is that appropriate in church? Like t-shirt cannons? I mean, in the worship center, is that appropriate? I, I feel like we could get somebody hurt. <laughs> it's not that big a place. <laughs> we're going to check in with our insurance company yeah, and let you know. We'll get back with you. <laughs> if you manually throw them, it's okay. But when they're powered, probably not. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> well, all that and more coming up soon at the only whole life church you know right here in Orlando. So thank you again 
I had guests this week, and I just want to say thank you to Shelly, Sherry, Melissa, and Terry. They were guests here at Whole Life on the front row with us, and uh, right. they enjoyed themselves, and uh, we enjoyed having you. And so if you're a guest and you happen to notice one of us that you may recognize from the website or you know, from the staff page, you can you know, shake a hand, Come say, hello. say hello. Yeah, say hello. Yeah. Definitely say hello. So, All right, guys, that's going to do it. Thanks for listening, and have a great week. 